Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. Uh, good evening and welcome to the uh, Maternity and Midwifery Hour. Um, I'm not Sue McDonald. Uh, I know that many of you uh, tune in every week from around the world uh, to hear what Sue has today. My name is Neil Stewart and I'm the Editorial Director of the Maternity and Midwifery Festivals. Uh, Sue is actually having a break this week. I'm going to start off by just uh, sending everybody uh, her, her thanks to her for the incredible job that she's been doing over the past year. These maternity midwifery hours were started as soon as the lockdown began in March. And Sue has uh, diligently turned up with uh, innovative insights and programs every single week. Uh, She's brought in people, not just from across the UK, but from around the world and tackled some of the most difficult issues. Uh, Remember those early days in the pandemic when home births were canceled uh, water births seemed to be ruled out. Lots of facilities were closed or maternity facilities were taken over for uh, COVID use. Uh, tremendous uh, change that we've all been through in the past year. And Sue's been guiding us through that. So hopefully she's sat with a chilled glass of uh, Chardonnay. Uh, hopefully she's not watching because I'm bound to get everything wrong as I go through. So tonight's uh, programme Uh, is jointly hosted with All for Maternity, our partners who work with us on the festivals um, and across these maternity and midwifery hours. And we're going to take a look at one of the e-learning modules that they have produced, uh, one of their Safer Together modules, an introduction to culture, race and bias in midwifery. And I'm joined tonight by uh, Alicia Burnett, who's a final year student midwife in London and who some of you will have seen on this program before. She's also the editor-in-chief of the Student Midwife Journal uh, and uh, co-founder and curator of the COVID-19 cohorts blog hosted on the All for Maternity site. And uh, she's done some fantastic work. Uh, And she's joined by uh, Sheridan Thomas, who's an independent midwife who works with uh, trusts uh, and care providers across the Northwest. So um, let me start with Sheridan. What's your moment of the week? Hello. Nothing to do with midwifery. What's your moment of the oh, week? Oh, my moment of the week, sort of to do with midwifery, but more so to do with myself. So I am 26 weeks pregnant and today I had a growth scan and my baby is growing exactly where it should be, which is great news. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> uh, and Alicia, what's your moment of the week? Uh, I'm afraid my, my moment of the week is a bit midwifery related too <laughs> I had a lovely socially distanced meeting with my good good friend Ali Monahan in my back garden this week I've missed Ali so so much we're always in contact via WhatsApp but it was so nice to be in her presence physically so that's my highlight of the week yeah. 
Okay, well, I'm three days through going swimming for every single day of this week now that they finally opened my swimming pool again. Uh, so I'm extremely happy about that. So um, before we come to our two guests and the uh, Safer Together e-learning modules, uh, let me just uh, uh, cover some of the other news of the week. Um, I was going to start off rather flippantly and say that uh, this week was the second episode of uh, Call the Midwife, uh, which is, of course, how a great many people seem to get their ideas about what happens in midwifery. Um, but it was also a week that's been full of lots of other news. Uh, and in particular, we're now beginning to see, and we've seen this all the way through the pandemic, uh, the emergence of big data and its ability to tell us things that about how maternity midwifery services are being run that nobody was collecting in the days of Call the Midwife. Um, so early on, we began to see there, there were differences in the experience of uh, women of different races, different ethnic backgrounds, and interestingly also uh, of different levels of income and class. And the detail of the kind of data that we are now getting um, is beginning to change the conversation about maternity and midwifery. Uh, many people will see that in the press at the moment, there are some quite critical streams that are running. And The Lancet this week in the news has been publishing figures on uh, miscarriages and uh, on a very big study in which they point out that some of the collection of statistics in the UK is not very good, but on a big international study, that anything up to one in seven women are experiencing miscarriages, that services often don't click in, kick in until women have had two or three miscarriages. Um, and of course, their headline was that women of uh, color and ethnic minorities are likely to have a 40% higher rate of miscarriages. So this is the kind of big data that's coming through all the way through pregnancy and is starting to come out again uh, in the period afterwards. And midwives and other healthcare professionals are having to address that. In addition, we are beginning to see in the press and a study from Oxford suggesting that pregnant mothers should be vaccinated and perhaps moved up the list uh, higher than they would if they were just coming through through their, uh, through their age profile. Um, and this kind of debate is going to, again, impact and change the way that maternity services uh, have to be organized. And after these headlines, I'm sure lots of midwives are um, facing those kinds of questions. Um, as we do every week, uh, even though the numbers of deaths from coronavirus actually looked as though they fell below 10 at the weekend, they're currently running at a weekly average of about 23. Um, but we still have to remember uh, not just the uh, mothers and babies that have been lost, but also midwifery and maternity colleagues, uh, and that the risks are still out there. There are still new variations. And as we watch the terrible uh, pictures from India, I think it uh, is a warning to everybody about the importance of uh, vigilance. Um, so a lot going on and uh, maternity and midwifery services uh, doing very well to keep things as normal as possible and uh, get everything 
back and open on the roadmap, but lots of questions ahead. But there is no doubt that one of the biggest impacts on the discussion of services during the pandemic has been the way in which uh, people of different cultures and race have faced either uh, poorer service or bias or worse outcomes. And the world of big data is now opening up these questions. And we've seen that all the way through. Obviously, what happened around George Floyd triggered a great many questions, but it was obvious that uh, the NHS England and Jackie Dunkley Benton, our colleagues, have had work going on uh, right through the whole period, much of which is going to come to fruition. And uh, people are now trying to find the answers to that. How do we respond? How do we tackle it? And uh, the work that we're going to look at tonight is part of that. Uh, all fraternity are to be congratulated tremendously for the material that they put together online. And tonight we're going to look at uh, Safer Together, one of their e-learning modules. Uh, the title is An Introduction to Culture, Race and Bias in uh, Midwifery Practice under the heading of Safer Together. So can I introduce uh, Sheridan Thomas, who's an independent midwife, works with trusts in the Northwest of England and has been behind and uh, working with all the maternity to put together uh, this uh, material. And she'll be speaking and sharing the presentation with uh, Alicia Burnett, who is a final year student midwife in London, and she's also the editor-in-chief of the student midwife. So uh, time to share your slides. Over to you. The screen is yours, uh, Sheridan. Okay, so thank you very much for that introduction, Neil. So, um, as Neil said, my name is Sheridan Thomas. Um, I'm a research midwife and a professional midwifery advocate um, who works alongside various trusts in the Northwest um, to improve cultural safety and service provision um, and to audit outcomes for Black, Asian, and ethnically diverse service users. Um, and I'm joined by Alicia. <laughs> Trying to remember how to unmute myself. Um, <laughs> I'm really, really pleased and honoured to be presenting with you tonight, Sheridan. My name is wow. Alicia Burnett. As Neil mentioned, I'm a student midwife based in London, and I'm also the editor in chief of the Student Midwife. Thank you very much. So we are very happy to be here today to um, present to you and to introduce you to the Safer Together e-learning modules. Um, as Neil said, you know, they are an introduction to culture race um, and bias in midwifery practice. Um, and they've been commissioned, um, you know, we've, we've worked together with all maternity um, to create these um, e-learning modules. So a bit of an overview of what we're going to talk to you about today. Just to give you an introduction as to what the modules are, the topics that, they, that are covered on the modules, why, why it is that we actually, these modules were called for and needed and a long overdue really in, in midwifery practice. Um, who, who has access to the modules and where you can find them? Um, who's been involved in creating them? Um, what's next um, after these modules? Um, and we will give you a student midwife update also. So what are the Safer Together e-learning modules? So the, in response to the 
inequalities that we know black, Asian and ethnically diverse women face in the UK. Um, and you know that the inequalities also affect their families um, and the wider communities. All for Maternity has commissioned um, a committee of representative um, professionals that are, you know, are of the beneficiary group to develop two e-learning modules. Um, the concept behind the modules was to promote an understanding and to give students that, um, you know, as we are all students on when accessing um, e-learning, an understanding as to how we can improve maternity care for women and birthing people from some of the most marginalised ethnic communities. The idea behind the modules are that they are solution focused um, and they're designed to support learners to explore strategies that they can use um, in their day-to-day -day interactions with service users to improve pregnancy outcomes. Um, you know, we look at what, what it means to be anti-racist and actually what um, look at the disparities that exist within maternity care um, for women and families from Black, Asian and ethnically diverse backgrounds. Um, so in terms of, of the topics that the modules cover, um, really the modules were designed to be an introduction into cultural safety. You know, we understand that there's, there are limitations um, with presenting information like this in an e-learning package. The modules are really intended to be an introduction and actually, you know, people are supported and encouraged to, to go on to do further work within their organisations, to go on to do further personal reflective work and to go on to actually undertake further um, formal cultural safety training. Um, but this is, the modules are just an introduction and an overview into the current issues um, and the current racial disparities that are that exist within our maternity system. Um, and so it is really important that this is just the start of the journey really for people um, and that more work definitely needs to be done um, because as professionals, any of us that have um, at, you know, contact and access to um, pregnant people and their families and people who've just had babies in their families, we have a responsibility and a duty of care to ensure that we are doing everything we can to reduce um, the, the disproportionate rates of mortality and morbidity that are experienced by these communities. Um, so an overview of some of the topics, and we will um, include a link, won't we, um, so you can access more information, but it's an awareness of the key terms because in order to have meaningful conversations um, about race um, and the social constructs that surround that, we need to have an understanding of the basic key terms. Um, we look at key terms in terms of what does systemic racism mean? What does it mean to be anti-racist? To develop an understanding of how cultural safety can be applied to healthcare settings and what does it mean for our practice to be culturally safe? Um, we explore the concept of allyship and advocacy and how we can work towards these principles to reduce the disparities that currently exist. Um, and, you know, just really trying to gain an understanding of the barriers that exist um, that people face when accessing midwifery care and sometimes how as professionals, we are sometimes complicit 
in perpetrating those barriers and actually what we need to do um, to start to deconstruct those barriers and actually make maternity provision accessible and inclusive for everybody. Um, and there's a brief overview of strategies that can be implemented to challenge discriminatory practice. Um, and it's also really important to look at how we can decolonize clinical policies and guidelines. Um, you know, and as we said, it's very much so an instruction that the work that needs to be done goes far beyond this. Um, but for many people, this is sometimes, you know, they're hearing this information for the first time. Um, and so we were very mindful of that, weren't we, when we were um, developing the modules. We wanted to make sure that they were accessible to, to everybody, um, but that we touched on the main key aspects um, that we know from the research does make an improvement to the care provision um, for, for black women, Asian and ethnic, ethnically diverse women. So in terms of why we need the e-learning modules, so I, you know, it's, it's very much widely common knowledge within maternity care now that the Embrace reports have consistently identified that there are disproportionate morbidity and mortality rates amongst black, Asian and ethnically diverse women in the UK. But, you know, it's important to note that this is not new information. You know, we've, we've heard this information from many of the Embrace reports, the CMAS reports, and actually racial disparities existing within maternity care and having access to that information goes as far back as the change in childbirth report. Um, and, you know, whilst Embrace focuses on maternal mortality rates um, and highlights that, that you know, black women are a fourfold now increased risk of mortality, and Asian women, you know, three times increased risk of mortality. It's looking at the fact that, you know, there's not just mortality that that is is that they experience disproportionate rates of. So, from the research and the literature base that we have, we know that women and families from these groups are more likely to have to experience higher rates of morbidity, and we know that they're not only just increased risks of having poor health outcomes and increased mortality rates, but so are their babies. Um, we know that there are increased risk of, of experiencing stillbirth, you know, increased risk of experiencing um, a small for gestational age uh, baby, low birth weight, in, you know, for example, black women are twice as likely to experience um, a preterm birth. And so, we need to look at the care that we're providing. Um, from the research that we have, we know that actually social deprivation for a long time has been highlighted as a potential cause, but actually what we now know is that, you know, education status, affluence is not a protective factor for women from black heritage or, you know, from, from Asian backgrounds. Actually, what we know is that these women are at increased risk and we currently have no protective factors in place in our maternity system to mitigate this risk. And so the modules really are that introduction and a call to action. Um, we know that not only if we're looking at outcomes that 
that these women and families have, we also know that they're much more likely to have poorer experiences in maternity care. You know, from the, I work alongside my colleague, Georgia Allen, and as research midwives from the data that we look at, what we find is that not only do they, do people report poorer experiences of maternity care, but common themes are very much that when concerns are escalated, they're not listened to by their care providers, that actually they're negatively impacted by the unconscious biases of healthcare professionals, which can manifest in racial stereotyping, um, not receiving pain relief. And actually all of this has a direct knock-on effect into the outcomes then that we see in the Embrace reports. Um, and so, as I said, the modules really were created as a starting point really and a call for action so that for those of us that are involved in maternity care so you know whichever whichever way you have access um and, and direct contact with people um whether you know accessing maternity care that we can start to do the work necessary to improve service provision so in terms of who who the modules are intended for um, they're intended for anybody who has access to, uh, who, who has access or direct contact with pregnant women, pregnant, you know, birthing people, uh, people in the postnatal period and families um, who, have, who are planning to conceive, who have recently conceived and who've just had babies, you know, along the whole of the maternity spectrum. This is not just, you know, targeted for midwives, it's also, you know, the idea that it's open for student midwives, maternity support workers, our obstetric colleagues. You know, it's really important that we take an integrative approach to tackling systemic racism and the biases that actually exist within maternity care. Um, and we definitely need to work together, you know, in, in this anti-racist work. Um, and so Alicia is going to discuss how everybody can access the modules. Um, but it really is about us taking a joint approach at all, all you know, at all different um, aspects of the maternity system, really. Alicia, do you? So. Okay, over to you, Alicia. And if uh, if anybody wants to ask questions and things later on, uh, they can do so. Alicia, over to you. Thank you very much, Sheridan. Um, I'm just going to start really by just going back briefly to yeah. some of the points that Sheridan touched upon. Um, when she and Byram approached me about being involved in these e-learning modules, I thought, Sheena, I'm a student. What do I know about creating e-learning modules? I do e-learning modules. I undertake them. I don't have anything to do with creating them, but actually that should change because um, I think students should have more input into their programs of education. So I thought, oh, let's, let's just go for it. I'm always well supported by all for maternity. So let's give it a go. Um, firstly, the modules were funded by um, the National Lottery Community Fund and they're co-produced by the White Ribbon Alliance UK and all for maternity. Next slide, please, Sheridan. These are the people that were involved in the production of these two e-learning modules. 
I'm going to mention each of you because you, each and every single one of you have been instrumental in the production of these modules. Let's start with Beanish. Um, I remember Sheena, let's start with Kay actually. So Kay King, she's a new addition to our, our team at All for Maternity. Kay was instrumental in securing the funding for these e-learning modules. So initially Sheena raised the idea to me, would you like to be involved? And I said, okay, is there any funding for it yet? No, not yet. I said, okay, I've got time. <laughs> and then Kay secured the funding and I was like, oh, this is happening. Um, so Kay, thank you so much for that. Let's move on to Beanish. I was then asked, so who do you want to be involved in the production of these e-learning modules? And my first thought was that I wanted the people involved in the production to be part of the beneficiary, the beneficiary group of um, these e-learning modules. So black and brown people, I wanted black and brown people to be involved in their production because we come from the groups that are being affected by these health disparities. Beanish, if you don't know Beanish, you need to know Beanish. Beanish is everywhere doing all the things all the time. So, so busy. She's a band seven um, midwife. She still works clinically and she still manages to do all the things everywhere. She's like a rock star. Um, when you do enroll onto the e-learning modules, you see a lot of Beanish. Um, I've already explained my bit in the e-learning module production. Sheridan and Georgia. The next, literally, Beanish, Sheridan and Georgia. I knew I wanted their involvement. Sheridan and Georgia, I became aware of them both as my Midwives UK last year. And I was absolutely blown away because it's only within the last year and a half that I became aware of the health disparities affecting black and brown women in the UK. It's not a fact that I've grown up with, irrespective of the fact that it's been going on for decades. It's not a fact that I was aware of. And then I learned about the work they've been doing, going to different trusts, different maternity units, and trying to unpick the situation that has been ongoing. Two more rock stars for you to know about. Um, let's move on to Sheena. So Sheena is the person that came to me with the proposal to be involved in, lead in leading on these um, e-learning modules. Sheena believes that I can do anything even when I don't believe it myself. Because you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I just, Sheena's a powerhouse, as you all know. Anna Horn. Anna was kind enough to volunteer her time to actually watch every single video for the e-learning modules and tell us what she thought really, she's really honest. She's really knowledgeable. She's just lovely, really lovely, a great person to know. And she told us, you need to add this, this and this. What does this mean? And she really helped us to grow the e-learning modules and to make them better. And then we have Anna Byram. Anna Byram, what can I say? Anna has an eye for design. She has an eye for what works and what doesn't work. Um, I remember when I was selecting imagery for the e-learning modules, initially I went to Shutterstock and I picked some 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 imagery that I thought would fit with the e-learning modules and I took one look and was like no this isn't us this isn't all for maternity so what I did was I went through the practicing midwife all of the beautiful illustrations that you see in the practicing midwife on the cover and um, the spot images for the articles 
are designed by a wondrous, wondrous illustrator named Lauren Rebeck. So I looked through all of Lauren's images for the past year and, and the past year of um, the of the issues of the practicing midwife. And I picked, I handpicked the images, Lauren's images to go with the e-learning modules. And that is what made these modules us. We aren't, we aren't shutterstock people, not really. We are quite quirky, creative, and our images are very vivid and very, they bring topics to life. So, um, and Anna, I remember I wasn't very well for a while and the time was coming for, it was coming close to us having to um, publish the e-learning modules, time for them to go live. And I was struggling because I'm in my third year. Final block of placement, getting my book signed off, getting everything signed off so I can join the NNC register. And I was sweating. And Anna came from I don't know where and rescued me. <laughs> she rescued me, gave me all the support that I needed. Anna, Kay, Sheena, all of you, you're amazing people. Thank you so much. This wouldn't have been possible yeah. without you, every single one of you. So yeah, that's my gushing over with. Um, <laughs> next slide, please, Sheridan. Okay, look. Um, just, let's go back to that last that last um, slide. Okay. okay. So <laughs> there are two ways for you to access these e-learning modules. This slide relates to a method that isn't quite ready yet, but when, the when it is ready, we'll let you know via social media and all you'll need to do is scan this QR code. It's not accessible just yet, but we have things set up so that they will be very, very soon. This is a way for you to access the e-learning modules for free. Um, anyone can access them, parents, um, expectant parents, midwives, doulas, student midwives, aspiring student midwives, anybody because all for birth is a website that is for everybody open access for absolutely everybody but not ready just yet okay okay fab okay the second way that you can access the e-learning modules is via the all for maternity website to do this you need to be a subscribed member so you need to subscribe to um all for maternity so literally go to www.allformaternity.com um, there's a really easy, really accessible website. So go to info. Um, that will bring down a drop down menu. Go to plans and pricing. There are plans there for individuals, institutions, student midwives, MSWs, doulas. There's even an, um, uh, an additional site for international users that is only accessible to international users. So if you're in the UK, it won't work for you. But if you're in Rwanda, Zambia, anywhere else in the world, it will work for you. And you can find out what, what what plans and pricing schemes are available for you in your country. So once you're subscribed, go to learning. And then on the drop down menu, go to modules. And I've just taken a screenshot of it here. They're right at the very, very top. So you've got both of the Safer Together modules right here at the top. They're very distinctive. As I said, Lauren's imagery is very eye catching and distinctive. So you cannot mistake them for anything else. So you've got module one and module two just sitting there right at the top for you. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, so we've made these e-learning modules. What next? Are they just going to sit there? We've got plans for them. So we have plans to turn the, these e-learning modules to integrate them into an e-book, an open access e-book. 
this work is currently underway. In The Practicing Midwife, we, um, Claire Feely, who is the editor-in-chief of The Practicing Midwife, Wondrous Women Again, um, she's been running a series called Race Matters. This was all throughout 2020. I think it concluded February 2021. So all of those articles are open access anyway, but they're also going to be integrated into this ebook, which is on the way. Now, this next bit I have notes for, because I don't want to get anything wrong. Okay, so um, the local maternity system for Lancashire and South Cumbria, they're developing a cultural safety toolkit. And these e-learning modules will, take, will um, form part of this toolkit. I'm just going to tell you a bit more about this fantastic project. Okie doke. So this will be based on local Lancashire and South Cumbria research that is being undertaken with the local community. A survey, community engagement events and interviews to understand the experiences, preferences and mental health needs of women, people that use the maternity service from minority ethnic communities. This project is funded by NHSI and the local maternity system. It will build on the author maternity e-learning modules, so the Safer Together e-learning modules, and will be offered alongside the free workbook that I just mentioned and um, the Racism Matters series. So basically, the e-book I just mentioned is going to be integrated into this project that I'm telling you about now. It's called the Enable Research Study, and it's being led by Professor Jill Thompson and the main research hub, which is linked to the Thrive Research Centre. The research team has representatives from the group we are aiming to reach with the research. The aims, objectives and design of the study has been developed with PPI from the communities the research aims to reach. This message is brought to you courtesy of Anna Byram. Thank you so much, Anna. One more thing that I would like to ask of anyone that does access these e-learn modules is that we are very much open to feedback. If you feel that anything is missing, so if there have been any oversights on our part, if you would like just to give your feedback, did you enjoy the modules? Uh, how did you find them? How did you find the imagery? Basically, any of your thoughts, we are very welcome to listen to. So please send your feedback to info at awfulmaternity.com. There's one other thing I'd like to mention, actually. Um, Sheridan mentioned earlier about who these e-learn modules are for. Therefore, as Sheridan said, anyone that has access to pregnant people and pregnant women and anyone that's having or has had a baby, that includes um, not just learners like myself, students, but um, heads of midwifery, directors of midwifery, obstetricians, anyone, any professional at all that has any engagement with pregnant people should access these e-learn modules because I'm just going to be honest. I find that when these conversations are being had about the disparities faced by black and brown women and birthing people, there tends to be defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And that defensiveness can come from a place of, I've never even thought about that. How, how, how dare you think that I would ever behave in this way? And it comes from a place of never having sat down and actually thought about these issues before. It's very easy to be very comfortable and unaware of something if you've never actually been, if it's never been brought to your attention. 
it's easy to walk around thinking that you're doing the best possible job by everybody that you meet if you're not confronted with the facts and the statistics. And in the past year, especially, we have been very much so confronted with the, the statistics. You cannot escape the statistics. They're being debated in Parliament. You have five times more. You have Sheridan and Georgia. You have me. You have Mars Lord. You cannot escape the reality of what is happening. However, there is a lack of education about these statistics and these um, outcomes. So we are graduating and registering as midwives without ever having been confronted with these statistics. So sometimes, as Sheridan said earlier, this is the very first time you've ever, ever heard about any of this. So I really do recommend that everybody, everybody that has access to pregnant people, people that have just had a baby, access these e-learn modules. Start here. Start here. It's an introduction. We've given you resources to follow up on your, to follow up with. So we've given you access links to the open access um, the open access articles in the, in the Practicing Midwife from the Races and Matters series. We've given you links to workshops. Start with these modules, follow up with the resources and keep going. Don't stop here. Don't complete these e-learning modules, print your certificate and think I'm done because the work doesn't stop. Rant over. Next slide, please, Sheridan. Okay, so I, we've talked to you about these e-learn modules. I'm editor-in-chief of the student midwife, so of course I can't come on to midwifery hour and not talk about the student midwife. Our April issue is out now. It came out on the 15th of April. And I'm literally here. If you want to access the student midwife, you need to be subscribed. Again, go to www.allformaternity.com. Go to our journals, drop down menu comes up, the student midwife, and that is how you find it. It's online only, so you can only access it via the All for Maternity website. We have an open access article this month. Um, the title of the article is Gender Identity, Student Midwifery Beyond the Binary, authored by Ash Bainbridge and Rowan March. Fantastic article. I would very much recommend that you have a read and share it. And our social media is here in the bottom, our Instagram and our Twitter. So give us a follow. Rant noted, Alicia, I think. <laughs> Um, can I just start off with that that point you made there about um, defensiveness? I mean, it's there's, this has been a very heated period. We've all been watching uh, Black Lives Matter, the George Floyd uh, case, uh, the recent uh, Sewell report on um, uh, and its comments on uh, uh, institutional racism. Um, has polarized some of that debate. How do you get over to people uh, that they shouldn't be defensive, that you're not accusing them of malice, that these are systemic things that apply across services and are now being revealed by these statistics? You know, and, and it was, it was um, Prime Minister Theresa May who embarked on, you know, um, publish all of the stats that they could find and leave it to the different services to explain their disparities. Um, but how do you tackle that defensiveness and that um, feeling that perhaps um, people are being accused of negligence or malice or thoughtlessness, carelessness, because uh, defensiveness is a very common first response. Mm -hmm. uh, Alicia? So, 
there are a number of ways you can tackle this. I can come on here and say what I've just said and have someone leave a comment saying, well, that's not me, that I'd never do that. I treat everyone the same. And I can respond with a comment saying, thank you for your response. Please may I direct you to this resource and I can give a number of resources. And I'll even ask if you could supply, for example, when people say, um, black women are dying because of genetics and they completely overlook all of the other contributing factors. Genetics is not even anywhere near up here. It's, some would even say a fabrication, an excuse for ignoring the maternal mortality and morbidity rates of black women. Um, so I can respond with information. I can even ask them to supply information that supports their position. But I don't find that that's very um, successful. <laughs> I just find that we end up sea lining. So just barking at each other and it ends up with trolling and we don't get anywhere. There's no resolution. So another tactic that I have is to sit people down and say, OK, look, you don't believe these statistics look at me I'm a black woman I'm telling you that I'm afraid I'm telling you that I'm scared of getting pregnant because I don't know what will happen to me or what will happen to my baby I don't know if I'm going to be here to raise that child and what that will do to my family so if you don't believe anonymous statistics believe me and believe the woman or the birthing person in that bed in that chair in front of you just listen take away all of your it's not about you it's really not about you i'm not having a go at you it's systemic it's not you the individual causing this harm if it was down to one person that'd be great find them lock them up but it's not so much bigger than that but see me it's not about you see me Okay, we've got, um, and this might be one for you, Sheridan, uh, mm -hmm. which, um, do the modules cover uh, gypsies and travellers and things? Because the statistics that government collects uh, always ask about travellers, people of Romani and, uh, and white Irish categorizations. And of course, as you know, they also have some pretty bad statistics. Yeah. So um, race is not always about uh, uh, simply about colour. It can be about uh, other ethnic ethnicities as well. Um, how is that addressed in the in the modules and things? You know, I think that's a it's a really really important point to raise. And I think the issue that we have in terms of the research that we have available and a lot of the you know the times the linguistic terminology that we use to portray people. We you know you hear the term the AME. Um, and we, we often, you know, group together these these um, outcomes into as if people are one homogenous group. And actually, we know, like you're saying, that that's not the case. Um, the modules are very much focused on the outcomes for black and brown um, pregnant people and service users in terms of the with the available evidence that we have from um, from the Embrace reports and looking at how we can improve care in that in that aspect. As much as we say it's not about colour 
and you know that that is is something that we just we definitely have ongoing discussions of what we know is that people who who have who are white appearing have different outcomes and actually when we look at the the people that access care in terms of being black or brown actually they are the people that are, are having you know these disproportionate morbidity rates and, and mortality rates and so actually what what we would say is that's the problematic issue with grouping people together with minority ethnic groups actually we're, sometimes we're missing the nuance you know the nuanced experience and we're then grouping people together that have completely different experiences and actually that they are a group in and of themselves that need their own targeted intervention and so much of what we talk about is being specific about who we're talking about it you know and so actually in terms of the context of race that's why the modules are aimed at the groups that they are, because actually what we are looking at is the social construct of race and how that then has negative impacts, not necessarily just who do we class as a marginalised group and let's group everybody together and, you know, use non-specific interventions, because actually in order to have meaningful change, we have to have specific interventions. And in your in your interventions and conversations across the northwest of England, I could think of if you think of trusts and things in, say, mm. Liverpool, where there is a, a very old um, uh, Chinese community, yeah. well-established, uh, you know, since the turn of the century, if you then think of Oldham or Burnley, yeah. or if you think of uh, some of the kinds of groups of people that will be around um, uh, Blackpool, or we were mentioning travellers and things, there are traveller yeah. communities in Definitely. Lancashire. That, that kind of localised focus, if you yeah. were in London, you'd be thinking of, the hospitals that were overwhelmingly coping with the Bangladeshi community yeah. or some of the inner city uh, areas, some of the areas like Harrow where significant Asian populations have moved out mm. and, are, and like some of the Chinese groups are being very successful in education, but their statistics and things in maternity don't seem to be matching that social yeah. progress. Yeah. How, how do you, I mean, you must have had to address that. Yeah, so that's basically the work that... Um, my colleague and I, so George and I, that, that we do. So the issue is sometimes that looking at the national statistics, that doesn't necessarily, that's not always representative on a local level. And so sometimes the conversations that we have, we constantly discuss embrace statistics and the national, you know, policies and, um, you know, the outcomes that we, that we see on a national level. But actually what we need to do is take responsibility for our local outcomes. And so the, the work that we do is working with individual trusts um, and actually auditing the outcomes of that trust specifically. So looking at which groups are actually having the worst outcomes. And, you know, actually it might be that it isn't in one particular trust. It might not be, you know, it might be that the um, Black Caribbean groups are actually coming out with higher cesarean section rates, poorer, um, you know, high, higher rates of small for gestational age. And actually it might not be that their mortality rates are higher because actually we know that mortality is actually the tip of the iceberg. What we need to be looking at is on an individual trust basis. So for the communities that we serve, what are the rates and the statistics for that particular trust? And then we can look at targeted interventions mm -hmm. because actually the needs of uh, our black African population are very different to the needs of our Southeast Asian population. And so what we can't do is just say, you know, oh, well, these are the national statistics and Embrace says that this is a problem. Yes, it is, but let's look at what will work in our communities, look at the issues that affect our trust, because actually that, that is the only way through local audit, 
that we're actually going to are one of the only ways that we can see what the issue is to then put things in place to actually be able to not only implement interventions but actually continue to monitor the effectiveness because sometimes we very much are quick to do like a knee-jerk reaction of a response but actually what we need to see is marked change and that the things that we're doing are actually working and are they serving those communities and um uh, Alicia, you might be able to answer this. Um, although we sent Sue McDonald on holiday, she sent in a question. Um, and uh, her and um, uh, Susan Venning are asking, I mean, how close could these are these modules to being uh, utilised by student midwifery programmes? How fast do you think they'll be uh, adopted and integrated into um, the university education syllabus? Um, is that your next step? Do you have what do you have to do to get recognition for this kind of work? Interesting that you should ask that. Actually, um, I think I tweeted about the modules on or on Instagram or something. But my um, uh, every university has one. So like they have a pub, not public relations, but they have like um, a PR team. I received an email from my university's PR team asking to speak with me further about these e-learn modules. Um, so I'm going to talk to my university and see if we can get them adapted into the curriculum. Um, the, my vision is that we can reach out to all of the universities that are involved in midwifery education, ask them to subscribe and give their students access to these e-learn modules or just share with, share with their students how they can access them for free when they are available in the free format because there is a gap, a glaring gap in our education with regards to these topics. We don't discuss, we don't discuss race, it's uncomfortable. It's mm. uncomfortable. So we don't discuss it. We just label this group of women or that group of women as being more at risk of this or that because of their skin color. And it's left at that and it's like. No, we. So uh, yeah. Yeah, um, one for Sheridan here. Scott Gill's asking, uh, how do the panel think we can improve engagement with uh, BME communities. Now, um, can I just add a question to that? Um, you know, this is not just about when the, the, the mother engages with maternity mm. services. We've seen in the vaccination programmes how important it has been with the low take-up, uh, including low take-ups amongst health professionals, to go out and engage with their communities to validate uh, you know, engagement and to spread knowledge and improve the two-way knowledge how do you do that i mean what, how does that kind of outreach work sheridan so it's it's com it's complex so i mean we do um work in a, a we're both professional midwifery advocates and and the work that we do with trust is very much about the fact that we have a responsibility as as the you know medical profession in the maternity midwifery profession to rebuild trust in certain communities because you know, part of the, the work that needs to be done is that as professionals, we need to understand and acknowledge the fact that we, our profession in general has been involved in many, you know, historical obstetric atrocities really against certain communities and, and it has led to a distrust. Um, and so actually, even though we might not be personally responsible for the obstetric violence that has happened and, and you know, in certain aspects continues to happen, we are part of a profession that has we have a joint responsibility to to actually 
engage with 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 our communities um and actually not necessarily expecting them to come to us and them to you know we very much label people as disengaging or late bookers and we see it in the literature all the time almost as a reason for why they're having the outcomes that they have whereas actually we have the responsibility to dismantle our systems and to to Mm -hmm. go into the communities be you know be um visual and approachable in those communities ask the communities what they need you know we assume a lot of the time what the, what what people want from yeah. service provision um, melissa uh, melissa tuck is asking here um about the formal maternity voices partnerships yeah. uh, about them not necessarily reflecting the demographic yeah, of the world. do you have mm-hmm. tips on how that can be uh, improved or so the f- uh, I mean, the first the first aspect of the work that we do with with trust aside from looking at the actual audit is of, of outcomes is also firstly starting with staff. So looking at cultural safety training amongst staff, and the more that you move through that, you need the staff to have an understanding of what the needs of the community are first, and and also engage the community before we start saying, oh, how can we just improve engagement? What we need is an understanding of how we've got to where we are, and we need to go into communities we need to be a presence and actually ask ask these people what it is that they need rather than us presuming to know as an institution and expecting people to come to us all the time we have to go to them Mm. and so that is sometimes you know engaging with community leaders it's making sure that what what are we doing that is um you know in the public domain as a trust to, to reassure these communities that actually we see the statistics and embrace and we are doing x y and z as your local hospital to make you safe okay and uh, alicia what, uh, one other question that's come in is um are there other modules planned further down the line and like all these things um what plans do you have to revise the first ones that you've done since this is a very dynamic area where uh, people are engaging and learning and getting feedback. So um, are there other modules that are due to come out? So the first, um, as I mentioned earlier, so following on from these modules, we're going to be producing an ebook which contains a workbook version of the modules. And it also includes the Race Ma- the race Matters series from the Practicing Midwife. So that's the next step, the um, ebook. And I also mentioned um, the project, the Enable Project research study that um, Anna Byram and UCLan are involved in, and it actually leads nicely, very nicely onto what Sheridan's just said about going into the community and doing research in the community in association with and close collaboration with community leaders. You very much so do need to know what the community mm-hmm. wants, and you only know that by actually actively asking them and not invent, not inventing new titles such as BAME midwife because what does that really mean because BAME actually also incorporates as someone asked earlier about the um, traveler communities yeah. BAME also incorporates BAME um, traveler communities and our needs are very very different we are not all the same so yeah the workbook and um, the enable research study which is going to integrate or take up the or include the e-learn modules <clears throat> so as as yet there's no plans for X for for additional modules. We want to we want feedback on the current modules that we've just released before we develop any any further. Yeah. I mean, one of the interesting things that's emerged in the debate, the heated debate around the Sewell report and others, is is this issue of, of granularity. So in the education world, 
we are always reminded that there are you know, 190 different languages that are spoken in London and that those languages reflect different communities, that that crisscrosses with and intersections with uh, religions and different attitudes to uh, family, etc. You had a very good graphic there um, showing all the kind of issues that you might face, although you might look at a, a woman and think that you can understand where they're coming from. You won't necessarily know what their religious values are. You won't know um, how prosperous or not they are. You won't even know what language they actually speak. Um, do you think people are really grasping that um, level of complexity or are they still leaving it to mothers by and large to step up and relate to the system rather than the system connecting with them? Uh, uh, Sheridan, you first. And I should say, by the way, Sheridan keeps referring to we, um, and the we she's referring is to, to Georgia Allen, who's registered midwife that she's mm. done all this work on. And George is poorly this so, evening. So she's not well. So Sheridan is grabbing all the glory. Oh, so I, <laughs> answer this representing question, both of us. Um, I would say that this, 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 we are expecting women and, and birthing people to take on the responsibility. And I think that, that not enough is being done um, as and it, whether we're looking at it as a system, an institution, regardless, we have people are disproportionately dying is what it comes down to. So actually we have a duty of care to make sure that the system fits the needs of the people that it's actually intended for. So the short answer to your question, I would say, is that no, I, I think that we are putting the responsibility onto groups of people. And actually, I don't believe that we are doing enough, whether that's the intention or not. The fact is that intent, intent does not... Um, disregard harm you know whether we intend to cause harm or not the fact is there is harm being caused through the system through the policies and practices potentially and and through you know systemic injustices and actually we need we have a duty of care to rectify that okay um uh, susan uh vining is asking do you think it's right that um uh, institutions should, uh, you know, expect staff from individual communities to take the lead in speaking to those communities, or is that a bias in its own right? Um, what's your view on that? Pragmatism against principle. Uh, Sheridan, I, you must have. Had oh, Alicia, you. Alicia? you were going to answer them. <laughs> when you make marginalized communities so midwives or whoever from a marginalized community responsible for going into their own community and solving all the problems you're putting a huge burden on those individuals and it's not fair it's a maternity system it's a multidisciplinary team everybody has a responsibility and a duty to the people that they care for so it's really not fair to just expect because i'm black i should know what every black person wants <laughs> That's just not the case. No. <laughs> we are not a monolith. We are extremely different. Uh, my background is Jamaican. My friend's Jamaican. We don't necessarily want the same things because we both have Jamaican heritage. That is an oversimplification of us as people. Yeah, yeah. And I would actually argue that 
you know, there is an, a wealth of research that people can look into on allostatic load and weathering. And I would argue that actually by having that approach, we're creating potentially more harm for our workforce and our staff members that we are putting that load onto. We know that there's a load um, of, you know, an emotional burden being a midwife in general. It, it's an emotion, you know, um, emotion job and it's difficult. So to add an extra um, pressure and load onto staff, which we know from the, the research that um, staff from marginalised communities are not very well supported in the workplace, were potentially causing harm to their psychological well-being and also on a physiological level. And what about self-organisation amongst uh, ethnic minority groups within maternity itself? I mean, I'm very conscious that when we do our big festivals in, in the Northwest or in London, you can see that there are self-organised groups yeah. of uh, Nigerian midwives, Ghana, people I mean, from the Caribbean. They work together. They're obviously talking together. There's been a lot of debate online um, about what's been happening during the pandemic and whether people have been looking to some of these groups. That kind of self-organization, is, uh, is that, do you regard that as a positive thing that should be built on? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because imagine going to work and you're marginalized because of your appearance, because of your ethnicity, because of whatever. You are one or very, very few black or brown people in your workplace. That can be a factor to, that can contribute to you feeling a bit alienated at work. Yeah. So why why is it a, it shouldn't be a problem for you to access groups such as ASAM, the Association of South Asian Midwives, or SOAC, the um, or SOAC, which is for um, South Asian and Afro Caribbean midwives? It shouldn't be a problem that you have a place to go to. As I said, we're not a monolith; we're not all the same. Mm. So I'm not necessarily saying that these groups mean that everybody in that group feels the same way that you do, but it's a place for you to voice your concerns and to seek support where that support may not be available in the workplace setting. It's um, a support mechanism. It's something to fall back on. It's the extra support that you may be lacking at work. You should be able to find it in these groups. Yeah. Okay, um, Sue McDonald will be on our second bottle of Chardonnay by now and pointing <laughs> out that I've allowed us to run over time and broken <laughs> all the rules. Um, so can I sort of bring this uh, to a close? Yeah. By thanking Alicia and uh, Sheridan for what I think has been a fantastic insight into a complex and evolving issue, one of the biggest challenges that uh, we face in maternity and midwifery. Um, I want to finish by giving a big shout out to uh, Sheena Byron and uh, to uh, Anna uh, for the work that they do all for maternity and how far it's come. I have to say that uh, if they've got Oscars for graphics and illustrations. Lauren Rebeck deserves one. I think these graphics are absolutely uh, tremendous. There will be resources attached to this. Um, <clears throat> this programme will be reissued again on Friday. Uh, you'll be able to find it uh, on the All for Maternity site and on the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. And uh, our own Matflix resources, some of the first times that these issues are presented are often at uh, lectures at our festivals or Sue hosting them on the maternity and midwifery hour. So we're trying to keep ahead of a very fast moving debate. And I think what we've seen tonight is a very substantial contribution to build this up and turn it round and get it ready during a pandemic on one of the hottest topics that's emerged during the pandemic and a real challenge to maternity and midwifery. So congratulations 
uh, to everybody in the team that's put that together. And we'll be back at the same time next week. Uh, thank you and good evening. Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk. This episode was edited and produced by Catherine Stewart of the Narrowcast Media Group.